Hi, I'm Terry, Instagram's sassy sober mum. Welcome to my podcast, Sober Stories from Everyday People, bringing you stories from people just like you and I. The aim of this podcast is to share our experiences with drinking and how we got and stayed successfully sober. Just before we jump into the episode this week, I wanted to share a little bit about the Thrive community that I run. It's a place where many like-minded women go to connect and share their experience with getting and staying successfully sober. There are different sections like the main Thrive community feed where people post about things that are up and coming or about challenges they're facing and they get incredible support from other members of the group. It really is a special, special place to be right now. There are also sections to share your milestones because every win, even the really small ones, are a big thing to celebrate and we acknowledge that. There are five events, there are the weekly Zoom recordings, so you can go back and see all the weekly Zoom meetings and all the topics that have been covered in those meetings at your own leisure. There's a share sober tips section and then there are group chats for the first 30 days, the first 100 days, the first year and over a year. There's a knowledge hub as well. And in the knowledge hub, you'll find a place for books and book recommendations. There's a section of how to survive the first 30 days. So if you come in completely brand new to getting sober, you can hit the ground running and find tools and information to get a structure set up for yourself from the outset. There's also my Thrive Sober program, there's a toolkit, there's understanding the brain science and a space to read and learn about all the topics under emotional sobriety, most of which have been written by myself. So come into Thrive. If you're thinking about it or you're lacking community, I would say just jump in and go for it and maybe we'll see you in there soon. Hello and welcome to Sober Stories from Everyday People. Today I'm talking to Jo and she's from Essex and she's sober six months and we were just talking actually about what a nice time six months sober is and that I remember, and I can also uh, vouch for people that I, you know, work with that that sort of six month milestone feels like an incredible achievement, but also there are some great shifts that happen around that time. So I'm really looking forward to jumping into your story. Joe, thank you for being here. Thank you very much for having me. I'm very excited. Oh, good. I'm excited too. We're both smiling a lot, aren't we? Yeah. <laughs> uh, so why don't you tell us a little bit about who Joe is? Okay, so I'm Joe. I'm 41, married mum of three, um, lived in Essex all my life. Um, I, for a career, I'm a skincare therapist and I now work from home. So I've got my own setup at home, so I'm at home all the time. Um, but really enjoying working from home. It feels great while the kids are growing up. I can work around them. Um, my parents live nearby. 
and my sister. I've got a very close relationship with my sister. Um, yeah, I'm very, I'm very, very lucky. Very grateful. Oh, that's lovely. Skincare therapist. It's funny. Yes. When I got into my 40s, I've just become all quite obsessed about my skincare. Um, what is your <laughs> biggest skincare tip? Like, what's the one well, thing? That we well, giving do? up alcohol <laughs> has made a massive difference. Has it? Have you noticed a difference? Oh, gosh, yeah. And even that, you know, I've been regimented with my skincare since I was first training when I was 16. So I've always used everything I should. I take care in the sun. I wear SPF every day. You know, I really look after my skin. But yeah, you can still see a massive change in my skin from being six months with no alcohol. Isn't that There's no doubt about it. Honestly, I never, you know, I, I always did everything I, I had to do. And I, you know, yeah. I've always had fairly good skin. But yeah, the diff- yeah, you can see the difference. Even my children say it. Yeah, I have to say you are looking very youthful. Oh, thank you. Yeah, there's a a great glow (laughs) there. How do you manage that with clients, though? Do you you find it hard? Do you say, stop drinking (laughs) to everyone? Well, no, not really. I never used to. I mean, gosh, when I've got, you know, if my friends come over in the evening for a skin treatment, you know, I'd have had a wine poured for them and a wine poured for myself and would have a couple of sips of wine and then I'd do my you know, a bit of treatment and then we'd be chatting and having more it was never, never an issue. I'd, I'd always been the skincare therapist that would say, oh, go home, put your pajamas on and have a glass of wine. You're all right. Yeah. But yeah. now I'm like, drink loads of water, cut down on the booze. Yeah. But, but honestly, that is a massive, massive um, change in my skin. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Wow. Amazing. Yeah. Isn't that just like for you that you've got a career in that as well and you've yeah. seen... I mean, yeah, you've yeah. seen such yeah. a big change. That's, that's, that's big so change. cool. Big so change. cool. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So why don't we jump into your life with alcohol then? What, yeah, yeah. where did it start? Well, um, my parents have never been big drinkers. So I, I didn't ever come from a family where, you know, people, we were drinking all the time or getting drunk, you know, big parties or anything like that. My mum was always loved a wine and a gin. I've I've never seen my parents really drunk, especially my dad. He'd have a couple of beers and fall asleep. But from probably the age of 14, and I think you're probably the same as me, we were kind of the last generation that could get away with, like, really underage drinking. Yeah. And, <laughs> you know, they can't get away with it now. No. But we did. I mean, I was, I was in pubs from the age of 15, you know, mm. a local pub near our school, um, I had, you know, my husband now, who was my boyfriend then, we've been together since we were 14, wow. we would go to the pub together with all our friends and we would drink and I would drink things like Jack Daniels and Coke because I thought it was a cool drink to have even though I detested it. Yeah. And then as I got older, it obviously went on to the wine and the Prosecco and the champagne. And that's, that's my, that was my vice, wine, mm-hmm. Prosecco or champagne Mm. um but like I say didn't come from a big family of drinkers my mum as I grew older obviously being at home mum and I would be like oh should I have a glass of wine in the evening so I think mum became a bit more of a drinker as we kind of grew up together if you like at home um but it, it was never a massive 
problem. It was never a massive, you know, a problematic alcohol situation. It was the, it was a, a habit, and it was like that mummy habit. And I used to use it as an excuse all the time. Like mm. I'm a busy working mum. I've got children. I've got a business. I need to have wine in my life, mm. and that's how it was. And it started becoming more complicated especially since lockdown which obviously I think you know a lot of people Mm. went through you know we had great weather we were just in the lockdown so we still didn't really know what was going on we were extremely fortunate that um we were all absolutely fine and uh you know the kids would be in the garden I'd put sausages on the barbecue at midday and I'd pop open a bottle of Prosecco yeah because I was at home and yeah. I'd got my business had to close. I couldn't do anything. My husband was working upstairs. <laughs> we were all in the garden, you know, having fun. So my life with alcohol definitely got more complicated as we went into lockdown because I always felt like I needed it. If I'd had a bad day, oh, I need a glass of wine mm. or a bottle of wine. And then if I'd had a good day, oh, let's, let's have a drink. Yeah. You know, there was there was always a reason. There was always an excuse to have a drink. I needed it to relax. I needed it because I was suffering with depression. I needed yeah. it because I had anxiety. You know, all of these, the alcohol, I thought, made all of that better. Yeah. But it didn't at all. Yeah. You know, and I can only, you know, now that I've done six months, I can now step back and totally see that. Yeah. I wonder when that becomes the narrative, you know what I mean? That um you need the drink for all the reasons. Yeah. You know, at what point, and when I when I reflect on my own life, like what point was it just a, a weekend fun, you know, binge yeah. drinking thing? Yes. To then becoming the thing that you just do for all the things. You, do you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, um, totally. I mean, I never was a binge drinker so I was always I was always pleased that I I knew when I'd had enough so I never particularly got you know really really drunk or out of it you know I would get a bit tipsy bit silly and then I think oh I've had enough because I hate the hangovers I hate the next day I hate the next three days it was getting to the point you know yeah and so I was always I could stop you know as in I knew I'd had enough but you know, it was becoming a thing. Oh, it's Monday night. Edward's got football. When I get back from football, I'll have a glass of wine while I'm doing the dinner. And I could open, I could open a bottle of wine, I don't know, say four or five o'clock while I'm prepping the dinner. Mm. And although that bottle of wine might last me till 10 o'clock in the evening, I was still having a bottle of wine, mm. you know. And as your tolerance builds up, there were times where I'd think, God, I've had a bottle of wine and it's only nine o'clock and I want to sit yeah. down and watch telly and have another glass of wine yeah you know, and then you've got that thing like oh god I shouldn't open another bottle so it got to a point where alcohol was taking up so much thought process like mm. it was constantly like oh, oh I'll have a drink when Ted gets back from football well actually I better not because I need to go and pick Sam up I was all everything was was around when I could have a drink yeah and when I stopped drinking I was like, oh, I've got so much more like space in my head. I didn't have to. I didn't have to think about any of it. Yeah, it's it's very, it's it's almost alarming when you stop drinking because 
you just think, oh my God, there is literally all this time that I've gained. And I think sometimes that can be a double-edged sword because you can feel a bit nervous about, well, how do I fill that time? But I definitely remember thinking, wow, that mental gymnastics just wasn't taking up loads of space in my head. And it was more free and clear and open and then I had this time as well and it was it really made me quickly realize how much time I was dedicating to drinking because I wasn't as aware of it in the moment I know I was getting fed up of it but I hadn't Mm. really connected the dots about how much it was taking over yeah my my brain processes until I stopped and then realized like quite quickly oh my god there's so much freedom now um, I'm not having to think about yeah I'm not having to think about it you know it yeah. was taken over to the point where you know uh, you know in, in lockdown if I would meet my sister on like a you know a, a distant distant walk you know in my coffee cup I would have wine or Prosecco so yeah. I'd be walking along and I'd be sipping wine and I you know, just thought it was I didn't think anything of it you know and I would laugh about it and my sister she she would as well I mean she still drinks and she would have a, a cup of wine, yeah. you know, in a in a coffee thing. So no one knew that we were having a drink, but we were like, oh, I deserve it. It's lockdown. We can't see each other, mm. you know. And then, you know, you're thinking about it all the time. Oh, well, I can have a drink now and I can do this. And now that I've, now that I've completely stopped, because I'm, I'm too, when I first started my kind of sober journey, I didn't know that I was going to be sober forever I kind of thought be a bit of a reset I'll go back to it and I can manage what I'm drinking I can say I'll have two glasses at the weekend or I'll have a glass on a Friday night Mm -hmm. but again you're already already in that thought process well I'll only have two well I'll only have that you're I'm already taking up too much thought process Mm -hmm. just on alcohol Mm -hmm. it's just not it's just not worth my mental health it's not worth it and when did you realize that then because um when presumably you went into this six months streak, if you like, that you're in, um, yes. thinking I'll just have a bit of a reset. And so, at what yeah. point? And so, and so, let's let's take it back. Why did you? First of all, why did you decide to have the reset? What happened on the day that you decided to do that? So it was it was Lent actually, so February time, and. We don't normally do things like give up things for Lent, but my mum and sister were like, oh, should we give up something for Lent? And I was like, oh, okay. Well, I could easily give up chocolate. I could easily give up sweets. You know, the one thing that would be, you know, really hard to give up would be alcohol. And my sister said, I'll give up alcohol with you for Lent. And my mum said, I'll do it as well. Because my mum was diagnosed with breast cancer last year. So she's kind of stepped back from alcohol quite a lot. She said, oh, I'll do, I'll do it with you. So the three of us thought, great, we'll do it together. So we started um, just after Pancake Day, I think, starts, if I remember rightly. So we started and actually it was fine. I, well, I went into my first few days feeling absolutely fine. And then a good friend of ours, his dad died and we had his funeral on the 28th of February. So I'd already done about a week and a bit with no alcohol but I got to this funeral, right to the wake, and I just thought, sod it, I'm going to have a couple of glasses of Prosecco. I felt like, oh, I'm at a funeral. 
I'd never been to a funeral and not had a drink before to yeah. kind of calm my nerves, get me a bit of Dutch courage. And I thought, sod it, I'm just going to have two Proseccos. You know, it's a funeral. What, you know. So anyway, I had these two drinks at, at this funeral and then that was it. Then I had no more at all. And then on the 19th of March, so it's my son's birthday, unfortunately my next-door neighbour died by suicide and I went around to help and obviously quite traumatic. Mm. Um, and it really hit me. Um, I mean, all my family was here because it was, like I said, it was my son's birthday and they were like, do you need, do you need to have a drink? And I went, no, I don't need a drink, actually. I don't want a drink because it, I knew that it wouldn't help me deal with the situation. And by then I'd only been not quite three weeks sober. Mm. But I, I decided that while everything was going on and I was starting to have counselling for, for what happened, that I wouldn't touch alcohol because I wanted my head to be clear. I needed to feel what I was feeling and no amount of alcohol was going to change the situation that had happened. And it really frightened me because I think if I hadn't have given up alcohol before that tragedy, yeah. I it's frightened me since that I just fear that I could have gone like the other way. Mm. so where I was having you know a bottle of wine every evening you know to numb the feelings or to try and help in some way I think I could have easily gone the other way and started drinking more and that really frightened me mm. so I feel that I was I'm extremely grateful that I, I managed to give up from the beginning of March yeah. So I I got that already in my head like that's it I'm not drinking because yeah it re it really frightened me and I thought while I'm having counselling and going through all of this I want to not be drinking I want yeah. to be clear headed I want to make sure that my own mental health is good and for that I had to give up alcohol. Mm, yeah, and what did you notice early on in that process? You know. The, even that kind of few weeks in, if you like, there there might have been some quite key benefits or, you know, that, that happened for you that kept you firmly anchored. Yes. Well, I think the fact that I was starting to sleep better. Right. Yeah. Made obviously Makes a huge difference. difference. Yeah. Yeah. Because obviously the when it when everything first happened, I wasn't sleeping all that well. But knowing that I wasn't waking up in the middle of the night, you know, on a, on a regular evening where I'd been drinking, I would normally wake up between two and three o'clock in the morning mm. every night. And I would lay there and I would talk so horribly to myself, things that I wouldn't even dream of thinking or saying to anybody else. But I would lay there and think, oh, you know, I'm useless. I, I shouldn't have drunk that. I'm, you know, I'm not looking after myself. I put on weight because I'm drinking too much. You know, I would just talk to myself in such a horrible way. And that stopped really quickly. And for that, you know, it was amazing. Getting mm -hmm. full night's sleep and waking up and thinking, oh, I had a really good night's sleep. And I'm not waking up thinking I shouldn't have had that last night. I've got to be good today. I'm not drinking. You know, that those thoughts are not in my head anymore. Yeah, amazing. Yeah. yeah. 
And what else did you do to support yourself then? So, and and describe what happened in terms of that. You were thinking this was quite short term. What yeah, I was thinking of, it was short term. Basically never... like 30 days or something like yeah. that, maybe. Yeah. What? So two questions. What sorts of things were you doing to help yourself other than noticing the benefits? And what made the internal shift from this is short term to well I want to carry on see how far I can go I guess I think a shift in my mental health massively so the um I'm not on antidepressants anymore I did come off of those last year um but the 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 difference feeling from just coming off antidepressants and carrying on drinking to coming off antidepressants and not drinking is like way above you know it's it's so different you know Mm -hmm. I don't get these you know palpitations the anxiety the sweats the shivers I don't have I don't have any of that Mm -hmm. anymore um and that's what's keeping me you know that's what's keeping me going I think you know knowing that I I am better I'm definitely more present to my children Mm. Um, and that's a massive thing that I've noticed. Like, if the, you know, if my eldest son wants to go out in the evening, and he's got a girlfriend now, if she comes to the house, I'm like, that's fine. I'll take you home. It's not a problem. Aww. Whereas, you know, had that have been, you know, six months ago, I'd be like, well, I'm not taking her home because I'm, I'm having, a, I'm having my wine. You know, yeah. so I feel much more present for my children. I feel much more patient, less stressed. And which they notice, which is lovely. My my middle son Edward, who's eleven, said to me the other day, "You're you're a lot less stressed, Mum, and you're more oh. patient." And I and I said, "That's the most loveliest thing because yeah. to for him to notice that, yeah, you know, is a really lovely, you know, like oh yeah, you know, this is this is a good thing, not just for me, but mm. for my whole family." Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and how would you say it's impacted? If, if at all, but how has it impacted your relationship or relationships? Well, I mean, I'm, it's not like I don't go out loads and loads. I have to say I'm a bit of a bit of a home bird, mm. but I've done, I've, I've made achievements while being sober that I never, ever thought I would do like a few little things. I noted down, um, obviously a, a death of, of somebody quite close Um, the funeral that was the that was the first time that I was pacing the house and thought I need a drink I need a drink before I go to this funeral because I can't get through it and I put on your podcast I poured out a kombucha in a wine glass and I text my best friend and she was like you know Charlotte you know she's my bestest friend and she's so supportive and she's never been a huge drinker so she's great to bounce off of yeah and she's texting me like you can you know you can do this and take you know just take it easy and you know so I've I've achieved that I've gone I've I've done karaoke at a friend's which I never thought I'd ever do without having a glass of wine love it you know um family gatherings and I've just come back from two weeks in the Dordogne so you know wine region yeah and I you know I didn't obviously have a drink at all and I didn't I didn't crave it I didn't feel I needed it I was prepared. I took all my own drinks with me. In France, they, you know, they're not used to like all the non-alcoholic stuff that we're yeah. 
you know, used to now, I'd ask for a non-alcoholic beer and they're like, oh, okay, you know, okay. But I could have a non-alcoholic beer, which was great because I was sitting around with my family. You know, so I've I've achieved things that I never thought I could do. You know, I never would I dream of ever going on holiday without having a drink Mm. or having a a bank holiday weekend in the garden, you know, or a a gathering with friends, you know. I, you know, I'm, my husband's quite pleased. He's, you know, got a designated driver yeah. <laughs> all the time now. Yeah. But so those achievements keep keep me going because I think if I can get through all of those things without it, yeah. I, what do I else do I need it for? There's yeah. no, there's no, there's no space for it anymore. Mm. Yeah. That's so, that's so true. I was thinking when you were talking there, it, you know, you're filling up your evidence cup, essentially, you know, something Mm. that I I mentioned quite a lot on here, you know, you're filling up the evidence cup, which at the beginning of your sober journey is pretty much empty. You just don't know what your life looks like without alcohol in it. And that's the biggest scariest most frightening thing about it but when you start to build up that you know you start to pour in evidence into your cup and that cup starts to fill up you get so much more confident that you can not just survive life without alcohol but you know really thrive so I'm interested in your holiday um to France how did it compare to other holidays like would you say that you felt like you had a better time or was it like just the same? Like how, how was no, it? I absolutely had the best time. I mean, normally I'd have, you know, fallen asleep because I'd have had a few big rosés with my sister by the pool or whatever. You know, when we were in France five years ago, that was the last time we all went on a big family holiday, you know, me and my sister would crack open the rosé by midday, you know, and, you know, it's not like we'd sit there getting blind drunk, but we'd be having you know, we'd be slowly drinking throughout the day. And at some point during that day, I would have fallen asleep because mm. I'm day drinking, I'm in the sun, mm. you know, whereas I didn't, I didn't need to, you know, I didn't nap. I didn't have to, you know, it was nice being around by the pool. I could get in the car and go off if we wanted to, you know, it, I felt more present and I, I felt much more relaxed. Oh. I was so much more relaxed by not drinking. And I, you know, I, I started journaling not all that long ago, but I've started journaling recently and I think that really helps me. So every time I achieve one of these, you know, it might, maybe something big, maybe something little, I write it down and I go back to it and I think I've achieved that, I've achieved this. And before I went to France, I was really, really journaling actually because I I was I was nervous. I did feel nervous and I kept thinking, I really, I, you know, I, I don't want to obviously drink. But I am nervous. We've got wine all around us. You know, the, the the place we stay gives us complimentary champagne when you get there. And you're thinking, you know, I never would have, you know, turned away a bottle of champagne. Yeah. But, you know, the rest of the family had it and that was fine. But before I before I left, I, I was writing in my journal about how much, like, alcohol is romanticised. You know, mm-hmm. we romanticise the whole thing. So, you know, I would think, I'm sitting on the balcony, overlooking the door door in a nice glass of cold French wine, heaven, you know. Yeah. But take that wine away and I replace it with my kombucha or whatever else I'm drinking. It, it's still know, heaven. It, it's still heaven. <laughs> it's still it's heaven. Still, it's still heaven. And I'm, yeah. and I'm not putting toxins in my body. I'm being yes. careful. I'm, you know, so, you know, I would romanticise it all the time. And, mm-hmm. and now 
I can, I can, I don't have to do that. Oh, you know, I had amazing. a lovely time sitting on the balcony with watching yeah. the sunset with a glass of, you know, even a, a non-alcoholic cold beer. You know, yeah. it was lovely. I didn't oh. need to have the alcohol. No, it's so true. And I, and I absolutely love, um, you know, the journaling because I just, I think journaling is so good it calms our nervous system it's you know very helpful for self-soothing it gets the thoughts on paper so that you can see them but more importantly like what you have demonstrated you can pick it apart so much of what we think are just beliefs that we've formed that are that are inaccurate they're not truth yeah. they're not they're not facts they're not really real life it's what we have created with the help of big marketing and tv programs and films and you know all the stuff that Absolutely. really glamorizes alcohol what a wonderful job big alcohol have done with their products yeah. because they've convinced us all that we need them all the time for all the things but you can have more magic on that balcony by not drinking, by having all of your senses alert and switched on and plugged into that moment, noticing everything, not being sidetracked by, am I drinking this wine too fast? Or is there another one ready? Can I get, what about if I run out? Or hang on a minute, I was supposed to drive later. Is it going to be okay if I don't drive? Is it going to cause an argument with my husband? (laughs) And all the shit that comes with And again, all that thought, all, yeah. all of that going yeah. through your head, you're, you're, you know, you're, you're arguing with yourself and then you're, then you're saying, oh no, that will be okay. And then, you know, you've got all of that. Whereas once all that's gone, I think, yeah. oh, I've got so much more time. Yeah. And you can just, you can just appreciate the moment, you know, before we came, you know, online with this podcast, we were talking about be, being busy mums. We're both mums of three. We're still in the holidays. And I was saying, yeah. I really, the sun's really shining today. And I really hope that I can find 20 minutes to sit outside. And in that 20 minutes, I am just feeling the sun on my face, listening to the birds like letting myself breathe and relax and just really truly having a moment where I'm just trying to disconnect from my work or what I'm doing. I'm not thinking, God, I could really do with a glass of wine or but I can't have yeah. one because it's only whatever, two o'clock. And, yeah. You know, I'm not sidetracked. I'm just in the moment. And it's so simple. It's almost too simple. That, yeah, totally. But that is what it's all about, isn't it? It's just yeah. being in the moment and appreciating yeah. it for what it is. Yeah. yeah. I had a, I know I had a, a lovely holiday. It, I didn't need alcohol to make anything better you know I just didn't need it I didn't even think about it yeah you know and years ago you know we my husband drove actually and and we we flew but you know going back five years ago when we went last time you know the last day I'd be going around the supermarket like wow three euro bottles of rosé you know filling the trolley to like load the car up to come home and my husband got himself a couple of little bottles and you know got a you know a couple of presents to friends and things but again I didn't have to that didn't even cross my mind but yeah. that's what I would have been doing you know had it had I've been drinking we would have had a trolley a trolley load of it to bring home yeah I know it's madness isn't it yeah, yeah. it's madness yeah, no, yeah. and it didn't even cross my mind I wouldn't even think about it and to think as well, and I, 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 I love this point, to think as well that you've been drinking since you were 14, I was the same, mm-hmm. 
you stopped at 41 41 yeah yeah are you the same as me I stopped at 41 oh oh, really Um, yeah yeah, I stopped at 41 so I'm 45 now um and so that's by my calculations that's 27 years of drinking what a shocker (laughs) um but to think that you can have 27 years of training your brain to want or use alcohol for all the things and then yeah. in six months of not drinking, you completely take it away. Yeah. I mean, look, yeah. you might have the odd moment here or there where you think, oh, you know, pang of like, oh, that's what I used to do. Christmas might be a great example. Like, oh, it's Christmas Eve and we always used to do yeah. this. And I'm going to have to yeah, work through it or whatever or journal or, you know. But for the most part, you are just not thinking about it and you are free from it six months I just think I I just feel like we don't appreciate ourselves and our body and our minds and how incredible it all is enough because that is a lot of conditioning that with a bit of hard work and a bit of intention and you know listening to the podcasts or doing the journaling or whatever you know all the different tools that you're doing has just, you know, you've allowed yourself to undo that really damaging set of beliefs that you've had around drinking. And now you're not even thinking about it. It just, I find it, it blows my mind. Um, And it gives a huge amount of hope and inspiration to people that are listening because they think, well, maybe I could be like that in six months. Hey, maybe you could be like that before then, you know, everyone's different. Absolutely. I do think six months is a is one of the sort of hundred days and six months. They're sort of the first yes. special milestones. I think. Yes, my my hundred days actually. We were away with my husband's family, and they all they all drink. They're all quite big drinkers, really. And I was thinking, you know, oh gosh, you know, this is the first weekend I've been away where I'm not drinking. And again, I was prepared. I took all my nice drinks that I like. And I got to my hundred days and everyone was like, well done, you know, you know, everyone was really proud and it was, you know, it was a massive, massive achievement. Mm. And, um, and, and when, you know, as I started, like I said, you know, I'll give up for Len and then, oh, I'll give up while I'm having my counselling. Then it was like, oh, I'd really like to get to a hundred days. That would be a massive milestone. And then, you know, the days and the months, you know, then just kind of plod on and I'm thinking, I like, I like this. I like who I am I like how I'm feeling I feel like I've I can give more to my business more to my family and yeah I I don't I don't feel that I have I have space for it in my life anymore mm. and that that six month mark like I said, I'm just coming up to six months and I said to you just before we started yesterday I was you know just putting on a bit of makeup in the mirror and my eyes are sparkling again mm. and they weren't like that they didn't sparkle yeah. And I feel like I've, you know, and lots of clients, you know, my lady that I just say, she goes, oh, you're looking really well. And, you know, you, it's, it suits you, is what yeah. I've had friends say to me. Like, are you still not drinking, Joan? You know, I was, when I say I was a big drinker, like I say, I wasn't out, you know, you know, getting absolutely wasted. But I would always have a drink. And I was known to, oh, you know, sports day, Joe's got a couple of bottles of Prosecco in her bag. Oh, yeah, you know, I always had a drink. And, and I've been known for that for years. Mm. And for a friend to say to me, it really suits you being sober, you know, yeah. is a huge achievement. And Definitely. it makes, you know, it just keeps me going. And yeah, 
yeah, it's just, yeah, the six months mark is amazing. And I'm, you know, I'm a real Christmas person, but I'm looking forward to having a sober Christmas. I'm looking no, forward was... to not feeling knackered because I've had, you know, three glasses of champagne before every, anyone's even turned up. Yeah. I was, was going to gonna say, like, I was going to, I've made a note here just because I'm so excited, you know, for your sober Christmas, for your first, it's so magical. It is so yeah. magical, honestly, just not being weighed down by no. all the over-boozing. Because I don't know about you, yeah. but, but December is a, was always a crazy month of drinking for me. Absolutely. I would get booze fatigue before Christmas Day was here. But especially yeah. from Boxing Day to New Year, I would just be literally every day thinking, I, I just, I don't want to drink anymore. I don't want to drink. I hate this. You know, I'm I'm so fed up of drinking, but just still drinking because yeah, it exactly was the time the of year, and yeah, of course, just you know, feeling a real bloated, horrible mess by New Year, desperate for dry, dry January, just to sort of have a few days off, but you yeah. know, never really getting all the way till the end of dry January. No, I, don't know. I, th- I think I ever only ever did it once. Yeah. You know, I'd do I'd do a few days in and and I would always, like I said before, it was always like an excuse, oh, you know, oh, just getting over Christmas and, you know, I don't want to just give up the wine straight after Christmas. You know, we've still got decorations up. There was always, there was always, even if it was a stupid excuse, there was yeah. always an excuse. Always. There's always. always. Yeah. Yeah. It is. And that's, and it's also, there's always a reason to put off giving up as well. Because absolutely. Oh, there's absolutely. a party or a yeah. wedding or yeah. a birthday yeah. coming up or something like that. Absolutely. It's, it's like, look, you've got to, there's always going to be something because yeah. you associate alcohol with all the things. Of course. So all those yeah. things are still going to happen, even just yeah. daily life or daily stress, you yeah. know, it's still going to happen. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I love what you were saying because essentially you've got, I've mentioned it before, but this is sort of the value bank, which is that you value your life now more without alcohol and what it's giving you than you value alcohol itself. And I think it's a really lovely place to be. It's a very strong place to be when you're just like, well, hang on a minute. My life is better, you know, in in almost every way (laughs) without drinking. You know, I don't, I don't, I don't need it. And that's, no. I, I feel exactly the same, you know, when people say, oh, um, do you ever feel like, you know, you're ever going to miss out not having, you know, when your children get married or even though that's flipping miles away. Um, but you know what people <laughs> like, people like yeah. they're trying to yeah. search for a crack, aren't they? Um, if Well, I should, I should rephrase that. Bigger drinkers are constantly trying to search for a crack um, in your resolve. And, and I just think, but I, I don't like alcohol doesn't give me anything it doesn't no. give me anything I genuinely believe that now like I've trained myself so mm. well you know and I, I, I I've I've reconditioned my mindset that life is better happier more pure joy without drinking That's alcohol it. I don't understand I've got to the point now where I don't really understand why anyone drinks because I think what do you really get from it apart from the collective hype, I guess, of going out or, you know, and, and, and just, you know, the excitement that you feel about getting that drug type of thing. But otherwise it's, you know, which can all be, you know, you can, you can all be managed with a bit of, 
mindset training or just learning how to not have those things for a while. And I just don't understand what why what you get from it because I just I just don't think it gives you anything if anything I just think it constantly depletes it takes away um and so yeah it sounds like that's the sort of zone that you're yeah you're in or that you're moving into which is that my life just just doesn't it just yeah don't need it yeah but I, I never you know looking back I feel I feel really bad because the amount of times that you know I would be out drinking and we'd got I've got um one of our friends girlfriends never never had drunk she never she's never had any alcohol she doesn't like it she doesn't like the taste of it and I'd be like oh don't you want don't you want something to drink you know I, I could never get my head around why well you've gone out for dinner or you've gone out for lunch you've gone to a party and you're not going to have a drink like yeah what's wrong with you yes you know and now I feel absolutely awful that I felt that way or I probably even said to you know why are you not having a drink you know the because I I enjoyed the taste of wine I loved the taste of Prosecco and and champagne and but I don't I don't crave that taste anymore mm. you know there there were times where I'd get home and I'd be like my god I, I need a drink now whether it be wine or Prosecco and I'd be like, oh that's lovely I was just thirsty <laughs> you know yeah. just have a just have a normal drink and I'd yeah. be absolutely fine but it was like no no I need to have a, I need to have a Prosecco yeah you know and I think that's you know like I say I, we, I have been out socially not massively but that's probably one of the most weirdest things I find now that everyone is so intrigued I'm like what is it I don't think of it as a really a big deal now but they're really like intrigued well, when are you going to have when are you going to have a drink yeah you know where, you know we were in bar, we were at a party I went to a fancy dress party back in June you know obviously totally sober and that's so out of my comfort zone I can't tell you you know yeah. before of going out anywhere whether it be for a meal or going out for a party I'd always have a drink when I'm getting ready or doing my makeup and, and stuff so to get ready for a fancy dress party totally sober you know I didn't know many people there and I was like oh this is this is going to be really awful you know what, it's absolutely fine. I had such a good night. But you know, I was just standing there at the end of the night looking at all these people kind of falling over. And I just thought, I'm so pleased that I don't have to be, I don't have to be like that. You know, I can, I've chosen not to, and it's absolutely fine. I'm not missing out. I had a great night. I had such good fun. Yeah. But I got home, I could take off, you know, I'd got all, you know, face paint and everything on. You know, if I was drunk, I'd have literally just fallen into bed as I was. Yeah. I was like, you know, got home, got to put my makeup off, you know, do, you know, what I'm meant to do anyway. Yeah. yeah. There is. But, you know, there are nights when if you had had too much to drink, I'd be like, oh, I'll be all right, just go to sleep. Yeah. You know, I don't do that anymore. I'm so, so much happier. Everything feels more organised and life mm. feels so much simpler. Oh, it's totally. You know, now I've got now I've got that out of the way. Any, you know, now I'm really concentrating on looking into like my gut health. So I'm mm. really, really focused on that now that I'm, you know, 41. You know, look at me, you know, trying to sort my hormone level. You know, so I couldn't have done any of that while drinking. Yeah, because it would have been impossible. But you can't tune into it. I don't think. No, you know, no. It, it's it when you're drinking, you're especially if you're drinking a bottle of wine a night, you're always in mild fatigue mode. So you don't Absolutely. really know how your body truly feels. No. 
Um, and, you know, the, I remember the first time in sobriety when I felt actually tired, it was a different feeling to any tired that I'd had before. Yeah. It was like a genuine, oh, I'm actually just tired, yeah. you know. Rather than fatigued yeah. from the alcohol. Yeah. Yeah. I t- totally agree. I mean, I've never been particularly a morning person anyway, but my mornings are so much better now. And although, you know, you know, if we drunk more at a weekend, I'd wake up hungover if we'd been to a party. But obviously having a bottle of wine more or less every evening, you're waking up so groggy every morning mm. and puffy and just feeling crap. Mm. But, you know, okay, I might wake up and feel a bit tired, but I don't feel groggy and, and crap yeah. anymore. You yeah. know, that's a that's great, you know, feeling like that in the morning now. It's, yeah. I never thought I'd feel like that in the morning. I haven't, yeah. you know, I've never felt like that in the morning. Yeah. I know, it's so interesting, isn't it? It's yeah. so, it's so yeah. enlightening. Um, yeah. it, was, it was funny when you were saying as well, um, going back to when you were saying about you uh, love the taste of wine. I, I used to say the same thing, but I, but mm. I realised that actually it wasn't really the taste. It, it was the hits. And wine and Prosecco are big hitters, when it comes yeah. to like the percentage, you know, you can have one glass and it's like, bang, you're in that, yes. you're in that place you want to be. Because I yeah. always think it's funny when you, when, when people, and when I reflect on my own, you know, I, I love the taste. You think about how disgusting ethanol is, yeah. you know, the alcohol in, in drinks and that, the drinks companies have to put so much sugar and flavoring and flavoring to yeah. make it palatable yeah. and it's just like it's just such bullshit like the taste is disgusting and I think it's funny because often when you're really young when you're that 14 year old I don't know if you did this but I remembered my first drinks they were just awful gross nothing I could probably have like um a Malibu and lemonade or something that, you know, would, would have been a bit nicer because obviously it's kind of coconut, but it, it, the taste is actually pretty putrid. It's, it's not a nice taste, yeah. but you develop, you drink, you try so hard to learn how to drink that you just acquire a taste for it. But interestingly, yeah. like now for me, I would never dream of wanting a really like a kind of Rioja tasting drink. I just think no. that would be gross. Like I'd yeah. much rather have elderflower and sparkly water and mint or just anything else. Chamomile yeah. tea, that's like, you know, one of my faves. I couldn't, I don't think I would ever taste a fake wine now and be like, oh God, no. I nice drink of no. my So it's just, I just find that really interesting, challenging that, um, you know, that belief around like I love the taste of it because I was the same. And it was just like I... I said on one of my posts on Instagram a few days ago, I, I was the person that would always be like, I just, I'm never giving up drinking. Yeah. I love wine so much, you know, yeah. and it's just like the things Same. you say to yourself. But really, you know, when you break it down, it's it's just, you know, alcohol is a drug. And, and we're just, you know, I know people, sometimes people don't like to think about it like that. And, you know, for whatever reason, it feels a bit dirty or whatever. But, you know, it, it is a drug, isn't it? And it's just, mm. unfortunately, you you do, your brain does get addicted 
to that drug. Oh, totally. And you, it will tell you whatever you want to hear and you will convince yeah. yourself that yeah. you know you love it in all different ways, whether it's taste or you, you just love wine or you just um just so that you can keep having it. But you know, when you when you actually break it down and you realize it's just so heavily kind of artificially change yeah. in terms of the flavor to make it drinkable is is quite a bizarre concept isn't it loving the yeah taste. and I hadn't ever really thought of it that way I, I only up until recently yeah I suppose you know delving into sobriety a bit more and obviously like you know podcasts and you know reading some books you don't you don't think of that while you're drinking you think oh I love I love this rosé wine or I love this prosecco you don't think of everything that's had to be changed to make it taste like that. Yeah. You know, I never, I never ever thought of that. It wasn't until I was reading, um, uh, I can't remember what book it is now, but I've, I've read a few books and it wasn't until it was in this book. And I thought, I, I never, I never ever thought of it that way. It would yeah. never have even crossed my mind. That's crazy, isn't it? Yeah, it really yeah. is. Yeah. Um, so what, what's been, what's been challenging about it you know obviously you're in a great place you've obviously worked really hard on yourself um what bits were kind of more difficult for you that you've you know maybe that you've got through now and you've moved past I think um you know grief going through what happened you know and like I say generally I would have you know sat down and had a drink and then I would have carried on drinking um that I that like I say the, the morning of the funeral I that was the first day I thought I can't I can't do this it's not really gonna work for me mm. and getting past that day by not having a drink was a massive milestone huge milestone because even when I think back to when my grandparents died when I I worked with me and my sister and my cousins all stood up in church I would I had a drink before that you know me and my cousins went and found a pub near the crematorium just to get a couple of glasses of wine down us before we could stand up and do our poem. I would never have dreamt of, of doing that without having alcohol in my system. You know, not to be, you know, not to be drunk or anything, and no one probably would have even known I'd had a couple of glasses. But for me, mentally, that was just a given. That was what I had to do. Mm. So to get through everything that's happened and carry on without a drink you know, at first it was difficult, but now I've got past that. That was, you know, a, a massive thing. And, and and I think to myself, if I can get through that yeah. and not drink, I can get through anything. Yeah. You know, I can get through it. And I said a little bit earlier last year, my, my mum was diagnosed with breast cancer. Mm. Um, but four days prior to her being diagnosed with breast cancer, my dad was diagnosed with prostate cancer. So oh, both God. my parents were diagnosed within four days. And when they're both absolutely fine now, absolutely brilliant, all good. Um, but when dad got diagnosed and his was diagnosed as aggressive, and that was a real shock, I just remember drinking loads that night and phoning up my sister-in-law and I was blubbering on the phone. And the next day I thought to myself, oh my God, why, why did I do that? Like it's not, you know, so even going back a year ago, I didn't even know there was something as called sober curious. But I definitely, from a year ago, was already getting those feels. And having both my parents diagnosed with cancer and reading about what alcohol 
does to your body and increasing your chances of having cancer Mm. you know it's taken all that time and then obviously lent to go do you know what I'm going to do this yeah and then obviously you know a few hurdles around it but got there in the end um and I definitely was super curious because you know I found you on Instagram um and then started reading about and it was so weird reading stuff, you know, on your Instagram and listening to things. And then you're going, oh, God, I feel like that. Mm. I didn't know that other people felt that way. I thought it was just me. And, you know, and knowing there's this huge support network out there now for so many people is, is just amazing. And I've been very lucky that, you know, I have found the I have found this process easier than I thought I would have found it. Mm. So I'm really grateful for that. Yeah. But you know, I'm not bothered that my husband still drinks. He'll have a couple of glasses of wine or have beer and we'll sit together in the lounge and he'll drink. It doesn't bother me. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, I'm not like, oh, let, oh, I could have a sip of that. Doesn't even cross my mind. Yeah. Yeah. So I am very grateful that I've, that I have found my journey, you know, although we've had, you know, like I said, had a few little things in between. Yes. I have found the journey easier than I thought I would. Yeah. Um, and that gives me an incredible boost to keep keep going and feeling as well as I do. Yeah. Oh, I think you've done so incredibly well. And thank you. Yeah, and it is it's you know, your the way that you feel it it's a testament to your hard work, you know. There are sacrifices when you go yeah. into this. You have to have a word with yourself in certain oh, situations that that absolutely. day when you were hit with that wall of grief that's not easy to get through you know without a drink when when you're feeling quite unstable probably emotionally and it's like something you've always done is is had a drink always those feelings and you powered through you know you dug deep you found a way through that and that has probably pushed you on in leaps and strides because that filled up a bit of your cup and gave you confidence well if I can do that you know and it's like if I can go on hot day for two weeks and have a bloody great time you can do anything and you're absolutely right and I think that your story is a great example of having laser focus and having a concrete mindset around, I'm just doing this. You know, whatever it takes, of course, there are going to be ups and downs. Some days will be better than others, but I'm just going to do this. And I relate to that because I was the same. You know, my Mm. journey into being sober is, 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 is very similar to yours, not in the details that you're explaining, but in that feeling, you know, I just, I I just knew I wanted to crack it. And I just thought, I'm just going to do what I need to do to crack it. There's no going back for me. And I think the more confidence that snowballed, Getting to six months, I really, I really remember getting Absolutely. to eight months as well. That was another big like, ooh, eight months, you know, nearly a year. And then the year yeah. just like, bosh, comes around really quickly. And then before yeah. you know it, you just like stop counting, basically. You just like, yes, you have to, I, yeah, I've back, yeah. you know. <laughs> you know yeah. because I've got an app on my phone and, and, you know, every day I wouldn't ever do it until I got into bed knowing that 
you know, I, n- I never looked at it in the morning and put, oh yeah, today is alcohol free because I'm not at the end of the day yet. I'm not going to, I'm not going to say that until I've got to the end of my day. Mm-hmm. And, you know, religiously every night I'd get into bed. It was the first thing I'd do. Oh yeah. Lovely. Another day, you know, and I've, I've you know, I've stopped doing that. And then just in my head, I know that at the end of the month, I'll be six months, you yeah. know, and then I'll kind of, I know in my head I'll kind of count from there, but I'm not having to think about it daily now. Yeah. That's gone. Yeah. I've got past that. And that's a yeah. lovely feeling. It is. It is a lovely feeling. And then what, you know, what what you probably find is you just you celebrate the six month increments. So it'll be yeah. a year, then it'll be a year and a half. Yeah. It'll be two years and then it'll be two years, yeah. et cetera. Yeah. And that's sort of about as much as you'll look at it, you know, you won't bother. Yes. Um, no. But that's, you know, that that that's leading from a place of confidence. And 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 that is because, yeah. you know, you've done you've done a lot of the hard work and you've got through some of those hurdles, you know, ha- came to you quite early on. And in some yeah. ways, that's a benefit for you now. Um, yeah. And that's why I think it's really useful to keep in mind there is no good time. And actually. No. The bigger the challenge, the bigger the social engagement on the horizon in your early sobriety, sometimes the better because you get that out of the way. And you and you and if you get through it, you're like, okay. You know, and I went on my first holiday four months in to um, sobriety. And I have to say, I remembered I was really looking forward to it. And actually on that holiday, I, I stopped vaping because I was vaping a lot and it was really annoying me. Yeah. And I stopped vaping and I just kind of went cold turkey and I, you know, and, and, and I had a wonderful holiday, but it was only four months in, you know, but yeah. I, I loved it. And I, I just did everything differently and I felt really super refreshed, really relaxed, all the things that you were describing. Um, and then, you know, I was going into my first Christmas, all that stuff, but it, it didn't matter because I had some big things early on and I was able yeah. to build my confidence in those occasions and then that kind of gave me the boost that I needed to go into the next set of things so Definitely. you know I think that's why it doesn't matter if you even if you decide to stop the beginning of December and you've got Christmas around the corner like if you can get yourself through and do it you know you could it, it could be it could have an even bigger impact is kind of what I'm what I'm trying yeah, to say. totally agree. Totally. Um, so what would you say are your top three tips for people that are looking to get sober? So, I mean, I found, you know, you need to, I needed to find a good drink alternative. So when I, you know, when we sat down for dinner or, or even when, you know, when we had a toast, cause I got to my hundred days, I had to have you know, I still have a champagne glass or a wine glass and, you know, like you say, I I love the elderflower and soda water and things, but I love kombucha because I'm really concentrating on gut health at the moment. Mm. So I'll have a glass of that and I love that in a champagne glass. I've got my mum onto it. So she has it as well. Oh. So definitely finding a good drink alternative that you feel that you're enjoying a drink rather than, I've never been a person that would go, oh, I'll just have a Diet Coke or I'll have a lemonade. It, you know it, that doesn't do anything for me but a nice glass of yeah a, a nice alternative definitely helps um the other thing I would say is to to stop romanticizing alcohol 
Um, and I, I kind of, I kind of thought about that quite early on actually. And I use that quite often. Um, if anything crops up, I think, you know, again, like I was saying about going on holiday, I'm going to France for two weeks. How can I not have a, a glass of cold rosé on the balcony and, da, 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 you know, and then thinking back and going, well, I don't need, I don't need to have that. So, you know, getting out of that habit of, of romanticizing alcohol and actually remembering all the crappy bits that come with it has helped mm. me massively. Yeah. And I think the third thing has been recognizing my triggers. So what, what triggers me to then think, you know, or, or, you know, going back six months, what triggered me for me to go, I need a drink now. Yeah. And knowing what triggers me and now I can get around it without thinking that. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's such an important point, that one, actually. I think if you can recognize the times that you are likely to feel triggered, um, in your daily life and plan distractions for those times yeah uh, or just sort of do things slightly differently yeah. and just distract your mind from uh associating that moment with alcohol give it Absolutely. something else to focus on do something else it can go so far that that yeah. strategy um and that's really all about the trying to break you know the conditioning the wires in the brain that are yeah so used to reaching for the for the alcohol um and and trying to create those those new neural pathways you know for me the big trigger I used to have was cooking dinner and drinking that was my Same. thing and yeah. so just instinctively I thought right well I'm going to cook dinner, but I'm going to listen to a podcast and have a, an alcohol-free beer because, you know, four years ago, Absolutely. there wasn't any of this kombucha and all this lovely stuff. No. It was pretty dire, to be honest, for me four years ago. But but it was it was still keeping the ritual of having a yeah. nice grown-up drink, which I really liked. Yeah. It worked for me. It doesn't always work for everyone, but I think hopefully you can learn to tune into yourself and recognize if you feel like you're going to be triggered having that kind of drink then I'd say obviously don't have it but yeah, of course. if you if you think you'll be fine then absolutely go for it you know it really yeah. really helped me and it helped you yeah. but having my brain taking in this information from the podcast and all the things that I was trying to learn about and I sort of felt I was very enthusiastic about the learning yeah. side of things. Same. Loved it, you know. I, I, I was exactly the same. And I, I said to a friend only recently, you know, once I stopped drinking and I started reading books and, you know, podcasts and things, I said, I, I'm like obsessed with the psychology around it now. And yeah. I wanted to learn more about it and, and yeah. what it does to our brain and the rest of our body. And, you know, I was really intrigued about the psychology of alcohol and now that I'm not drinking when you're at things and you step back and you see other people it's so bizarre like when we were away with my husband's family like I say they're all they're all drinking and it was our last night and I we were all doing like a quiz around the table and I got I think I'd got a, an alcohol-free beer and I think it was my sister-in-law was like there's no wine there's no wine left and everyone was like, oh, my God, oh, my God. And then they were, like, rummaging through the fridge. And then I think my brother-in-law was like, it's okay, I found some Prosecco. And they were like, oh, okay, that would do. So it wasn't even like, oh, that would be nice to have a nice glass of Prosecco. It was just like, 
this is need the something. only alcohol that's left. We yeah. need something. We need something. We need and something. I just, and I just sat there looking at them like, that is mad. But I mean, that was me. That was, that was honestly yes. me. You know, yes. you know, I, I totally was me. Yes. But coming out of that and then looking at everyone rummaging around for whatever they could find because they'd run out of booze was just mm. like mad. It wasn't to enjoy it. It was just because it got alcohol in it. Does it feel a bit like you just kind of wake up? Some you know in this sort of yeah. situation because yeah, I, I feel right. like that. I notice this a lot when I'm out socially. I can't help but pick up on the subtleties of, of these things, and you know I always feel like alcohol is a bit like the Pied Piper, and everybody uh, uh, like uh, I don't mean to say like rats following the Pied Piper, but yeah, you know, it's essentially like it's that following, isn't it? It's like we cannot be we cannot operate in this situation without alcohol, which mm. like you say I was that person you know no judgment yeah. whatsoever but it is eye-opening and it is very interesting when you step away from that culture you yeah. see it so differently and you sort of see how trapped people are they are kind of trapped in that yeah. mode of you need alcohol for all the things and when you're not in that place, it's kind of it is it, it's a bit like just watching a bizarre scene unfolding, and you're sort yeah. of just sort of spectating. You're not part of it. You're in that moment with no. those people, but you're not in. But that you're watching zone. it, yeah. And you're watching it, and it, yeah. it's, it's it's quite weird, isn't it? It's quite yeah, weird. it really is. It, I yeah. think that was my first kind of um, time that I kind of sat back and was like, oh my God, what's you know what's going on? Yeah, They're just like scouting around. <laughs> For yes. anything, yeah, you know? yeah, I, I think, know. Yeah, it was strange, and I, I still do. I not that I'm finding it strange that people are curious, because I obviously was curious when people didn't drink, and I would be like, "Why are you drinking?" But that's another thing that I need to try and get my head around. Like, I always feel like I'm. I never go into the reasons like I've discussed with you as much. You know, I, I haven't told lots of people about what happened. I just decided to kind of give up and I have. Mm. But I, after a while, when it's the same person asking the same thing over and over again, you're just like, oh, it's, it's getting a bit. Boring. I don't know. I have to keep explaining myself. It's a bit, I do find it a bit boring. Mm. But I suppose, you know, as time goes on, it would, you know, people would just stop asking I suppose if they know I'm not drinking I'm not drinking but yeah that's I think that's the only thing I, I I have found a bit difficult yeah and you know it's funny I don't know if that stops does it stop no, no you still you know, get asked I think whilst the world is still whilst half the world is still very addicted to alcohol I don't think those kinds of conversations or comments or looks stop um, and sometimes I do find it mildly frustrating as well. Yeah. And I find they often catch me off guard because I'm living my life, you know, my everyday life doesn't involve alcohol now and that's just the way it is. And and most of my friends and, and, and things, you know, family, they know that and so no one talks about it. So for the most yeah. part, it's fine. Yeah. I, I, I get caught out sometimes in, in in social situations where I don't know people very well. And, you know, they will kind of balk at me like, oh, mm. what do you do for fun? And I yeah. sometimes I feel like I I still trip up in that situation and that annoys me because I yeah. should have this wonderful, 
where you know what I want to say is like well but why do you need the alcohol and I think I think I'm getting to the point where I think I I've got the I definitely have the courage to say that now and be a bit more ballsy yeah I have been caught off guard I've not expected it to come up and it's come up and in that moment I've still stumbled slightly and that annoys me but you know I have to be kind to myself I know I know the other way it comes up which um, and it, it's, it's actually someone that I'm quite cl- close to. I, w- I won't mention who it is, but it's actually someone I'm quite close to. Um, and they will say they will wait perhaps to have a drink because they are worried about how I will feel. About oh, okay. Even though I'm not, I don't think anything like, no. I don't think anything at all, but they no. obviously are. And then they might say, would you mind if I had right. a such and such drink and I'll and I'll say no of course not and then afterwards like happened quite recently I reflected on it and I I felt very uncomfortable after that because I felt annoyed because I thought like this is not an issue for me and and it no. doesn't need to be an issue at all and so no. I actually addressed it which I was quite proud of and I wasn't rude yeah. I never would be so I really love this person but I said um just for future reference you never have to worry about having a drink in front of me I don't drink because I choose not to drink not because I can't so I had to set the record straight and I had to say that because it was because it was kind of it it did it did aggravate me a little bit it was bothering you yeah because I just thought it's what I what I guess I find sometimes frustrating is that drinkers just assume that you're unhappy because you're not drinking, drinking. and they kind of they they fall into pitying you for not drinking, and it's like no 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 you don't get it. Don't. I pity you because you're trapped because you yeah. think you need a drink in this moment to make your experience of life better. I don't need that. So don't yeah. don't project that onto me because yeah. actually I'm bloody good at not projecting my not drinking onto everyone else. I never go around in my life going, you should stop drinking, drinking so much no. better for you. Like, no, like, no, no I wouldn't I either. Don't do that. I don't and I do don't, that. you know, and I don't I don't judge because I've been I was that. I you know. And, and yeah. I, I don't judge now because I did judge. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so, you know, yeah. I, I did judge why people weren't drinking. Like, oh, my God. Why yes. isn't she having a drink, you know? Yeah, exactly. Gone out for dinner. What's wrong with you? But that's what I find. I do feel like the like it's disproportionate. The proportion of judgment is much more heavily weighted in drinkers judging sober people People. and it is sober people judging the other way around yeah and that's why it's like I think it's just it's important for me it's obviously it's important enough for me to set the record straight that look totally I'm choosing this you know I'm I'm not in recovery no not like you know god I can't look at a drink because I might feel triggered like I have chosen to stop drinking and my life is it's infinitely better on every level because I don't drink anymore. I feel like I'm really living my life now. Um, So don't feel, don't feel bad for me and don't feel like you can't drink and don't feel any weirdness because I'm not even paying attention to you. 
drinking. No. I, I'm not. I, I don't really care in in the nice. Yeah, way. yeah. <laughs> but, I know, but pe- yeah. I think people find. You know, we were invited to a party recently while we were at another party, and he was like, "Oh, you're going to come to ours?" I said, "Oh, that would be lovely." He's like, "But you've got you've got to be drinking then. You've got to have a drink." Well, I was a bit like, "Yeah," and I and his wife was like. No, you can't say that. And he was like, you know, because he'd obviously had a drink, you know, so yes. he was, you know, tipsy. He's a big drinker, and he was like, yeah, yeah, you've got to come, but when you come to my party, you've got to have a drink. And then I looked at that as being like, well, I'm not going to have a drink. But then when I kind of reflected the next day and I asked my husband actually, and I said, was he saying that because was I, bo- was I boring at the party? And he was like, no, not at all. And I said, because now I'm, now it's making me worry that, he now thinks I'm boring, but that's really not, that's really yeah. not my issue. So yeah. you have to, there's so many processes that you have to go yeah. through. And, and, you know, I don't want to be thought of as a, a boring person. I've always been, you know, a fun person, always got a drink in my hand. But like I say, I can still have fun at a party. I, yeah. you know, I can still be a fun person. Yeah. I don't need to have that anymore yes. to have a good time. Yeah. And I do think as well that, the further in you go, the less you care, if I'm being honest, mm. about people not yeah. thinking you're fun. Like, I, I just, you know, I get when I get irritated, it's my own reaction because I want to be yeah. like, like saying that thing to that person that I really love that I just mentioned, that made me feel happy because yeah. I honoured my, you know, I felt like I was authentic and I got off my chest what I was feeling and I had totally. the courage to do that and I wasn't yeah. rude and, and that felt good. But sometimes when I, I feel like I might do myself a disservice, if I jump into um, trying to justify why I'm not drinking, I get irritated at myself because I think, Terry, you don't need to do that. You like, don't have you to justify do yourself. Anybody. No. Um, totally so, agree. You know, I think I think it's, yeah, it's, it's a tricky one. It's an interesting one. But uh, you know, in terms of, to be honest, I don't really go to a lot of social things now. I think I'm like you, a bit of a homer, no. don't really care. And, you know, it's not my idea of fun. So, I, you know, and no. I guess if I had lots of friends that did have lots of parties, then it would be slightly different. But we're with the kids, we're all doing our own thing. And and yeah. I just choose my time in, you know, how to spend my time in more simple ways. Um, so, all right. Well, I think I better try and wrap it up. I could literally talk yeah, to you yeah. Yeah, <laughs> so could I. <laughs> but I realise it is like twenty past one, so we've been talking. Is it? I, I haven't got a cl- oh yeah, um, you know it is. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, if you're open to it, how can we find you and follow your journey? Um. So on my Instagram, I mean, yeah. I haven't. You know, I don't advertise that I'm kind of giving up alcohol. I'm trying to find my Instagram thing now. So, like I say, I kind, I kind of um, came off while everything was going on I came off Instagram for a while um let me just get my thing up so it's Joanne Elizabeth 20 that's on Instagram at Joanne Elizabeth 20 20 that's perfect I'm just trying to look back in but I can't now yeah (laughs) because I've logged it out oh yeah um, it gets complicated it was yeah it was just it was like I say it was just a bit of a total detox if you like there were things that were not triggering me to drink but triggering my mental health that was on Instagram and because I was then not drinking I thought I don't need that (laughs) so I'm just gonna come off it for a while yeah so you know yeah 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 Yeah. Yeah. no it's a good choice 
Um, Joe, it's been so lovely to talk to you. I think Thank lots you. of people will Likewise. love this episode. Yeah, I think <laughs> lots and lots of um, really, really good twists and turns in this chat. Lots of inspo, lots of wisdom. Thank you so much for making the time for Thank me today. You. And uh, well done on your six months. It's a fantastic achievement. And yeah, looking forward to hearing from you at some point in future when you get through. You have to let me know Thank how you. your Christmas is. If I don't yes, I will. Before, obviously, I will. but you know, Christmas and when you hit the year and all the rest of it, yeah, it just gets better and better you know so. <laughs> yeah all right and thank you to everybody for listening until next time goodbye thank you so much for listening to this podcast if you're interested in being a guest please contact me directly on instagram by sending a message to at sassy sober mum you can also find helpful tools and resources on my website, sassysobermum.com. If you enjoyed the podcast and you want to spread the love, please like, share and rate the podcast. I really look forward to next time. See you then.